millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, you're listening to The Future of Media Explained with me, Dominic Ponsford. This week, we're going to find out about magazines in the metaverse. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of our podcast. And this week, to help us find out more about the future of magazines in the metaverse, we've got Press Gazette's UK editor, Charlotte Taylor. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Dom. So, magazines in the metaverse. The metaverse is something, that, is something that scares me, a little bit like the multiverse. I don't really understand it. Well, just to say on the multiverse, don't get too confused. If you've watched the most recent Spider-Man or Doctor Strange movies, that explains the multiverse quite well. But this is the metaverse, and it's quite different. As I understand it, Charlotte, the technology we're going to talk about in this episode is something that rather came out of the boom in virtual events that we saw in 2020 when um, the real events industry died a horrible death, didn't it, in the middle of March? And we all had to learn out about doing virtual events. Yeah, so as you say, for some publishers, in-person events were a massive part of the revenue portion before the pandemic. Then obviously that abruptly stopped in March 2020. For many people, a good 18 months at least. And during that time, people started experimenting with a lot of digital and virtual stuff that they'd never tried before. And so what we're talking about today with Hearst, it's not purely events, but it's, I would say it's, it started when they realized how good digital events could be. They realized they could reach a much wider audience and also for their commercial clients, it was just much more agile. So then they started thinking about what other new digital technology they could try. And that's why they're trying a few new things now, which we're going to talk more about. How does the metaverse come into it? So you and me, are, well, we have the team meetings on, on Zoom, don't we? That's not the metaverse, is it? Or is it? Not really. So although some people say that social media is a type of metaverse, but it's not really what people actually meet, mean when they say it. One basic very basic definition is that it's basically shared virtual environments, basically meaning it should be like immersive and interactive where people can access the internet. So it's this web point three at the moment, web two is very the internet and interactive internet as we use it at the moment with social media and stuff and being able to leave comments and go on websites and stuff. But web three is so much more immersive and that's the sort of thing we're thinking about now so it's creating a virtual environment around you effectively 
And just before we get into the interview, just one final point. When I think about events, I think about B2B. For these sort of big Hearst brands, there's a lot more for their revenue line as well, isn't there? Other than just the magazine itself and the website sort of publishing operation. Yeah, absolutely. So just for example, some of the massive events that they've been running for many years are Harper's Bazaar Women of the Year Awards. They've got country living shows that go around the country got Women's Health Live, where they, they can do fitness stuff in person. So the way that they've defined that and the way why I think that's particularly relevant is they said that those events serve as a physical destination for consumers to explore their favourite brands. And each one's carefully curated with the essence of the title in mind. That works if you translate that to a, an online environment, then that's when you're thinking of everything around you fits the brand and but, it, but you're on a computer, but it's more than a website. That's how I'm translating that to digital in my head. I feel like what I need is a way to do digital things, digital events, digital interaction, which is better than what we've had. Because I think virtual events were okay, weren't they? But they can end up feeling a little bit like a Zoom call, which is not the most fun. So the reason why... The metaverse stuff is more than just a Zoom call. Where, what, the reason why I emphasise the word immersive is, yeah, it should feel a bit more like you're there. So, for example, some of the things that Hearst are doing, which they're going to talk more about in this interview, is AR, which stands for augmented reality, and they're experimenting with that a bit. So, for example, one of their brands is Good Housekeeping. They've got a licensed range with DFS, so sofa range, and you. So one of the AR things they've done is you can feel like without going into a DFS showroom, you can feel like you're there seeing the sofas like it's a living room. And you could also, for example, try on a watch or try on some trainers. So that's the sort of commercial opportunity we're talking about there with AR. The other big thing which I was particularly interested in because not many, certainly UK publishers are really experimenting with this yet is they are currently developing a metaverse experience for Cosmopolitan, which is going to be in, in the gaming world Roblox. And it may surprise you to hear that, because it surprised me to be honest, that there's a fair amount of gamers in the Cosmopolitan audience. I suppose it depends what, how you define gamer and what they play, but as to whether you're surprised, but they, they already have experience with things like Fortnite which some people count as a metaverse because of the world it creates. They're currently creating a, a metaverse world, basically, where people can go and be like immersed in the cosmopolitan brand and the sorts of things that they would expect to, to see from cosmopolitan. And they're going to call it the summerverse. And it's all about the vibe. But yeah, that'll obviously have other commercial opportunities they can do within it. But it's worth saying that all of these things that we're going to hear more about in a second, it's not just about commercial opportunities, at least for now, they're much more interested in how it affects engagement with their audience. They're one of these where they're not so worried about the attention economy anymore. They're not just about scale and getting eyeballs. They want to have people who are really engaged and invested with their brands. And basically they think that this new technology is an exciting way they should be trying out how to do that. Yep. Uh, uh, Roblox and Fortnite are two pastimes I'm well aware of. My children enjoy them, but also from reading the Financial Times because they're absolutely massive, aren't they, in terms of the amount of revenue they drive. So it's a lot of money to be made out there, isn't there, in the metaverse? Maybe not, maybe the multiverse as well. 
<laughs> maybe that's what Hearst want to find out and that's why maybe a thing to watch for other publishers but I would say because I've heard this as well from other sort of industry experts that it's worth publishers thinking about it now and dipping your toes in because there's no point in just waiting and seeing how others do because then you'll be quite behind in terms of figuring out how it all works and how it could best benefit you like it's better to just have a go and then if it doesn't work you've probably not lost that much you've still got to make sure you're investing in your other you know subscriptions first party data if you're doing that sort of thing don't forget that i'm not saying do this instead of that but definitely you don't want to be like the last one to the party basically let's introduce the interview this week i've spoken to jane wolfson who is the chief commercial officer at hers uk and mark mccafferty who is the executive creative director for her solutions and basically they are speaking to me because they reimagined their events business to become Hearst X, which is creating experiences for both the physical and the digital worlds, as I've touched on. So I started by asking them why they'd made those changes and what it actually means. Hearst UK have obviously been synonymous with the world-class events for many years now, over 20 years. It was in its original guise as Hearst Live. We've all obviously always attracted loyal audiences. And I think what happened was when the, when the pandemic happened, it allowed us to, well, it forced us into having to reimagine how we did physical events. And that meant that we were able to experiment and move our physical events online really quickly. In fact, in the pandemic, I think we had Women's Health Weekenders and they moved from physical events to virtual events literally overnight. And that allowed people to engage in fitness exercises amongst other various exciting talks, et cetera, online. And that was the first time it was done. So it was pretty basic when we first started it. We just moved it online and used a platform to do that. And it's just allowed us to reach a broader audience as well. So physical events, you're fairly limited in the number of people that you can have coming through them, although country living fairs still get a million people through them a year. But for the smaller events that we put on, it allowed us to reach much, much wider audiences. So we didn't just have to rely on digital application for getting the messaging to people. Then it moved into hybrid. So we'd have a combination of in-person events like Bizarre Woman of the Year. But again, we were able to, to people to be able to engage in that content remotely. And I think that's just made us reimagine how Hearst life could be and how events could be, which is why we are exploring all of these new opportunities. Just to build on that point, another key part of what we noticed since the pandemic is this kind of client requirement for agility as well. I think the events that we've done in previous guises as Hearst Live were very rigid in format. But what we found since the pandemic is the clients specifically as well want something a bit more agile a bit more customised more towards their KPIs and their objectives as well. So, I mean, Herstex is set up to be more agile. And that's not just from a physical perspective, but also from a digital perspective as well. So we actually want to build events and experiences with clients from the ground up. And that's a key differential from what's 2022 versus what was happening two, three years ago. And I think another thing that we've really noticed is this kind of explosion, obviously, in, in online worlds and how consumers are, are gravitating towards those these new experiences. So we've done some research and obviously seen that our readers are going onto these places as well and engaging with new these new technologies and these new online worlds. So it's important that our brands have tenancies there as well so that we can engage our consumers. Are you able to share any more about that research? Because I wanted to ask, I did a feature on the Metaverse a couple of months ago and one publisher said, yeah, we are thinking about it, but we've got to be so aware that if audiences aren't interested right now and it's not from the 
what they want from us yet, then, you know, we shouldn't be bothering. So are you able to share what you found out that made you think Hearst audiences do want this? Yeah, probably the most interesting piece of that research that we've run is the fact that out of all of our brands, and that includes Digital Spy, which is a, obviously a massive TV, movies and gaming website, that our, our biggest proportion of gamers come from that Cosmo audience, which I think is quite interesting from a kind of preconception perspective. You may not necessarily think that Cosmo was going to have that big kind of heartland of gamers. So I think that was probably the most interesting part that came out of that. They're already engaging with platforms such as Fortnite. They, most of them have consoles in their own home. But I think that's what led us to, to believe that Cosmo was probably the best brand to launch a virtual world for. Yeah, so can you tell us a bit more about the cosmopolitan metaverse idea, what it will actually look like, what, how audiences will experience that? Yeah, I think we're currently developing at the moment, we're developing a world on Roblox. So we're calling it the Summerverse and the premise of it is going to be summer all year round there. And what it really is a kind of personification of what the brand stands for. So within the Cosmo world, we've taken all the core pillars of what makes Cosmo and made it a, an experiential world for our readers to go and enjoy. So there's a load of different facets of it. And I don't want to spoil too much pre-launch, but there's things like uh, roller discos. That there's actually a big, well, actually the Hearst building in the UK has actually been built into Roblox as well, which is quite cool. There's a beach, there's a platform for kind of music and gigs. There's a, obviously a whole gamification of it as well. But what we've done is try and, as I said before, take the core components of what makes Cosmo and build it into this world. And the reason we, we chose Roblox amongst all other platforms, because obviously we did investigate Decentraland, Sandbox, etc. But what we found was that Roblox UX really allowed for a fun environment, which is really what Cosmo is all about. And what we also saw was there's quite a good audience crossover there as well, because Roblox is currently aging up. So their biggest growing audience is a 16 to 24 year olds, which happens to be our core gaming audience on Cosmo as well. So there was a lot of nice matches there. So we're currently just working through what the aesthetics look like. We should have the complete demo ready by September, which is exciting for us. That's exciting. Before we hear, maybe, maybe hear a bit more about that later, another thing you're doing is an LUK virtual influencer. Is that right? Can you yeah. tell me a bit more about that, what that means? So we have virtual influencers and we have two virtual influencers in that come through Out China and they have big social media following and they have their own accounts. And it sounds crazy, but actually they, they do have this great following. And what we wanted to do was take some of those learnings and look at how we would create an LUK virtual influencer. And that means working really closely with the editorial team here and our editor, Kenya, to make sure that actually the influencer that we create is representative and all of the audience can engage and the consumers and readers of our content can engage with them. So that's good process at the moment. So it's not finalised. We're hoping, I think it's the end of this year now, isn't it, Mark? By Q4, we, should, we will have someone in place and we will then start being able to feature that person within campaigns or within editorial content. And just to build on that point, Jane, I think another really important part about what the virtual influencer is about, again, similar to what we're doing with the Cosmo world and Roblox, is it's an embodiment of what the brand stands for. So I think in today's market, there's all different ways to engage with brands and wherever we create with this virtual influencer has to literally live and breathe the L ethos. Just to like put it in the most simple terms, are we talking like sort of an avatar person that you've created or? Yeah. So in basic terms, the virtual influencer is a CGI rendered 
person. And as Jane mentioned, we'll be working with Kenya on exactly what that person looks like. And we can go as hyper-realistic as we want or as kind of computer-generated as we want. But that person will be rendered in 3D. They'll be, they'll be able to be placed into video content, into print content, into social content. We can even beam them into holograms at events as well. So effectively is exactly that, an avatar, but it's an avatar that is, is cross-platform and can go into any ad campaign or any editorial campaign that we see fit. Got you. Thank you for making it simple for me. So then the third thing that interested me in particular from your recent announcement was, I'm just going to quote this, but a suite of AR products designed to drive further engagement with Hertz content. I wonder if you could expand on that obviously AR, although maybe a bit more common than like metaverse, it's still not being utilized that much by publishers. So yeah, it'd be great to hear a bit more about what you're doing with that. Yeah, I think we do use it. We've started using it and got a lot more commercial content campaigns, branded content campaigns than in the past. I think it's, it is something that's been around, but it just allows us to to experiment a bit more with it. So, for example, at the moment, we have a good a good housekeeping is 100th anniversary this year, and they have they have a licensed sofa range in DFS. And that is, we have created a, a tool that will allow people to to look at that in situ, if you like. And it just allows us to be more experimental, whether it's trying on clothes or whether it's doing all sorts of different things that you wouldn't be able to do, like with makeup. If you're allowed to see things in your own home or try things on in your own home, then that also leads obviously into great commerce opportunities as well. So we see it as a bridge also to linking into other opportunities. AR has been around for years, like Jane mentioned, but over the last couple of years, three years really, it's changed in terms of how you can users can engage with it. So previously it was obviously app-based. Now with web AR, it means we can activate it from basically a browser, which has made it much more accessible to everyone. So what that means for us is we can do things like using QR codes in print, we can launch an AR experience. And I think the whole part, where we're really developing AR is visualizing what that product could look like. So obviously sofas is one thing. We're looking at, you know, try-ons on trainers and watches. And we've done already makeup lenses as well for clients as well. So I think there's different ways in which you can be utilized. I think a mistake is to think it's going to lead to commerce straight away. I think it's more about that kind of mid-funnel engagement where you can really see what a product can look like in your own home. So that's kind of where we're going with it at the moment. But the key part is we can launch it from print as well. And obviously print is a massively inspirational medium, especially with all the amazing shoots that we do. So to be able to pull a product from a, a shoot in print and then activate it digitally through your phone makes it really interesting. We're developing a lot of different products across different uh, ranges for AR, which is really exciting as well. But the other side of what you can do with it, which is a bit more out there and it's, it's quite fun as well, is you can actually create worlds and you can hide products in reality as well. So aside from just the practicality of what AR can do in terms of allowing to try things on and visualize things, you can also drive cool experiences through the mobile as well. So things like pop-up or pop-up events, you can do a pop-up like a walkthrough in different environments as well. All those things are really interesting and just drive further engagement for an advertiser. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Ian McEwan on wrestling with Orwell's Inside the Whale. Might we reasonably assume that there is no longer an inside to the whale? That the creature lies stranded on the beach, as whales sometimes are? That the guts and blubber and ribcage are on display? A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. At first, the problems weren't ideological, but practical technical and quite, well, obvious. 
and Maria Wilczek on Belarusian football fans who took on Alexander Lukashenko. After the August 2020 protests, hundreds of ultras were roughed up and held in custody. One was later found dead in suspicious circumstances. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You talked there about how it's become more accessible. I'm guessing... AR probably more so than some of the other things. So I'm just thinking, for example, like maybe the cosmopolitan metaverse, but any of this really, are you relying on your audiences having a certain type of technology or are you able to reach them with technology that just everyone has now? Mark mentioned QR codes just now. We They were something that had been around forever, but they were you had to download them on your phone and it was a pain to actually get them to use them properly. And now, actually, because of the pandemic, everyone is so used to having it's automatic now, right? The QR code, you just it's on your phone and it's on your camera. The vast majority of people are able to utilise them and have done. So therefore, being able to put that into print products, which gives it a new lease of life as well in itself, gives us more, more interesting reason, reasons for advertisers to engage with it, just allows it, that simple technology I think for the for the younger generations, which a lot of our brands are targeting as well, it's there. 
Uh, it's not new it's not new to them they've almost grown up with it i think there are some audiences where it won't necessarily fit quite the same way but the things that we've done for good housekeeping sofa for, to making that virtual dfs that that has worked and has engagement so i do think it can go across all generations and i think everything that we're developing at the moment is with a view that it's accessible to everyone so basically all you need a mobile you can download an app for roblox or you can go online to different things everything that we're doing is based around accessibility but obviously there are future platforms such as oculus where you get probably a deeper engagement but obviously there's not as many people that actually own the oculus headset at the moment even though it's skyrocketed in the last two years it's still not a kind of an everyday household item we've obviously touched on the audience demographics and how it's maybe particularly good for young people but hopefully reach others as well so that's the audience side of things how about the revenue side of things uh, in terms of the briefs we get through from agencies and clients, nine times out of 10, they're always looking for something engaging that's not traditional as well. So I think it's what we've developed with Herstex is a suite of products that will excite and engage users on new platforms as well. And I think from a brief perspective at the moment, <clears throat> the main thing that advertisers really want now, scale is available everywhere. But what they really want is true engagement. And everything that we're trying to develop as part of Herstex will answer that that part of the brief in terms of driving pure engagement, enjoyment for the brand. And I think in terms of obviously revenue side of things, if you can deliver that for a client, you're going to convert a lot more pitches than you would do if you're just going with traditional media. And I think for other publishers out there at the moment, it is, it's not just about innovating for innovating's sake. The point is that this engagement piece is really important now. So I think if you can develop an audience and a following on these new platforms, you're going to get the payback is true engagement because people are spending a lot more time. You know, they would be just viewing an article or a pre-roll ad, like engaging in actual worlds or having fun with with a kind of brand and a brand experience. There's a whole thing around the attention economy at the moment, and this kind of plays into that as well. And the reality is, at this point, am I are we going to say that there's going to be tons of revenue? It helps enhance what we're already doing. Doing. But as people, we want to encourage advertisers to come along with us and test and learn along the way as well. There's a lot more new tech that we want to experiment with and we'd love advertisers to join in with that. I do think there is lot longer term, there is definite revenue potential, which is very big. And I think that's the way we need to focus on it. Uh, for now, whilst we're in our launch phase, it's additive to the fantastic, brilliant work that we already do from a co-branded content point of view. Um, but it's necessary. It's necessary for us to innovate, to stay ahead, to always be um, on the front foot. Cool. And is it all branded content in particular or other sort of other types of, for example, could you have adverts in the cosmopolitan metaverse that might be in the print magazine? Everything that we do is cross-platform. So when we get briefs then we will answer them with bearing in mind all of the platforms that our brands are on and all of the and looking at all of the opportunities that we have to offer advertisers and that's whether it's from digital to print to virtual events to physical events to to licensing opportunities or accreditation there's so much that we have to offer that obviously this is just this is part of the mix and yeah of course if we can have a live gig in the Cosmoverse, we'd also want people to be able to potentially physically go to that gig, but it's just, it's also playing there. And there's so many different opportunities. That's why it makes it really exciting. Yeah, I think just to build on that, what we have stoked for is that in the Cosmo Summerverse specifically, you can have a static billboard display ad in, in the Cosmo world if you wanted to. Or at the same time, we could actually build another another part of the world for a brand to experience as well. So it's the same as what it is in, in, in our print and digital worlds as well. You can go as static to as extreme as you want to. So 
You talked a bit near the start about why you thought Cosmopolitan, for example, would work and why you at Hearst think some of your brands work. So I was just wondering to, to look more widely at what you've learned so far. Do you think lots of this would apply to other publishers? And if so, do you think there are certain types of publisher it would and wouldn't work for? It's a really interesting question. Obviously, I think the difference between our brands and potentially like a news brand, for instance, is that I think without doing a disservice to news brands, our brands really are individually passion point led. So I think it's very simple to create this kind of online world that personifies what the brand stands for. I think if you're a bit more of a generalist in terms of media, it's going to be difficult to create a kind of world that really does represent what your brand stands for. Yeah, publishers need to, they need to be future thinking. And I think that us experimenting is allowing us to engage with people in new and different ways. That's got to be a good thing. Now that what's right for our brands isn't necessarily going to be right for other people's brands, but they have to in my view we all have to be looking at what's the next thing and how can we make that a reality for the business and we want to be forever engaging our audiences which I'm sure we will be through our amazing brands then that's what we have to do. I mentioned I'd written a piece relating to this sort of technology a couple of months ago. I had a a sort of a critical and a more hesitant person in there saying that maybe publishers should stick to the thinking about things they still need to figure out, like subscriptions and first-party data strategies, et cetera, et cetera, and TikTok and blah, blah, blah. So I'm guessing your response will be sort of, well, why can't you do it all? But yeah, I wondered if it would, I wondered if you had any thoughts in response to that. Yeah, no, you absolutely have to do it. By us doing this from a commercial perspective doesn't mean that we're not also looking at memberships. We're not also looking at commerce programs or whatever it might be. We have to be representative. At the end of the day, our brands are here to serve our consumers and to allow them to get more out of life. That's what we say as Hearst UK. So in order for them to do that, they need to be where their customers are, where their consumers are. And so we have to, we have also a responsibility as content providers to make sure that we are in all those places. And that's what part of this is about. So yes, of course, you don't do one and then not do the other. You try and do everything, obviously, with prioritization and making sure that it is right for your audiences. But we, person, for us personally at Hearst UK, we have such a breadth of audience that we have to be playing in all the spaces. I thought it'd just be good to get some final thoughts from all this, sort of looking forward, maybe two thoughts in particular. One, so I'm guessing that you don't see it as just a fad. Do you think mm-hmm. that this is going to be a long-term thing that, and therefore it's good to be getting in now? And B, if the things that you're already thinking about now that you've shared with us today, if they go well, are you going to be doing lots more? What's really interesting at the moment is that this explosion of working with these online worlds is preparation for what could come in sort of five years time or maybe more. So we spoke about what the actual metaverse will be like. The metaverse is not here as we know it yet there's still there's gaming worlds that we're that have the mini metaverses that you can engage with in but what we're really talking about is what web 3 is going to look like and when is it going to come out and what platform is it going to be on and how do you need to engage with it so i think in terms of saying is this a long-term thing or not it's a long-term preparation strategy for how to launch experiences in what the future of the web 3 could look like so 
it's not as though we're saying that we're going to continue investing into Roblox and build thousands more worlds year after year. It's about making sure that we get the UX right and the engagement right as a testing ground for our readers to prepare us for what we come in, in a few years' time. That would be kind of my advice to, to a lot of brands getting into it is that you, you can, you've got to learn how to build these worlds, how to design them, how to, who to speak to, to build them as well, to get to grips with obviously managing an audience on a different platform than you used to. I'm really pleased that Hearst UK are kind of investing in this area and allowing us to do all of these new things, but it is so important for the brands. And I do think, I think you've, you've actually touched on whether we're doing Cosmopolitan and Alan, that's what we're focusing on for the, the kind of virtual world experiences. There is potential to go across other brands within the portfolio if that's what we need to do. And it's just making sure that we understand our audiences absolutely and know what they want from us. As much as us having a responsibility to bring them new and interesting ideas, it's about how they can, how they want to engage with our brand. Thanks for that interview, Charlotte. Our first double header on the Future Media Explained. I enjoyed it. What do you think, though? Do you think this is actually going to amount to some meaningful revenue? I always think with these things, if you're a big brand like Hearst, maybe you can afford to experiment a little bit, but maybe for smaller publishers, they're much more focused on the here and now and getting enough revenue in to keep the lights on and to keep the show on the road. So what do you think is the sort of big take-home from this for maybe smaller brands? Should, at Press Gazette, should we be hosting events in the metaverse? Maybe we should. That's a good question because obviously they were talking really about consumer brands, not B2B. So I uh, should have asked them directly, will it work for Press Gazette? <laughs> but no, it's a good point because obviously I know what I was saying before, I don't get left behind. Lots of people can't afford to just try out lots of things. I think probably it depends on what your focus is. If, for example, you're not worried about reaching lots of people, you are worried about having a really good, smaller, but engaged community then maybe it is worth it. Obviously, as we heard, they did do some polling of readers at the Hearst Brands to see how interested they already were in like the gaming and technology that they were talking about. So definitely you'd have to check in with your own audience and check that they are interested with it. Like in the past, I spoke to someone at Bauer who said that they are thinking about it but yeah they're very conscious that if your audience isn't bothered then you know what's the point publishers like to say you have to be where the audience is if your particular audience isn't going there then you know it doesn't really apply to you yeah so maybe less so for, for us i imagine but i can see why for a consumer brand you'd probably be um crazy not to try it out i remember when we used to debate about whether or not where, why should publishers be on Facebook? I used to talk to local paper editors and they say, well, why, why do you bother? You just go on there and you get abused by a bunch of trolls. And they're like, well, I know, but that's where the audience is. We can't ignore it. So you have to go where the audience is. Good advice, Charlotte. Thanks, Tom. You've been listening to The Future of Media Explained. With me, Dominic Ponsford, Presta UK editor, Charlotte Tobit, and expertly produced by Adrian Bradley. Please leave us a nice review if you enjoy it and maybe recommend a friend listens too. And you can find out more about all the issues we discuss on here on our website, of course, pressgazette.co.uk. Thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.